Welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave, where we chat with amazing women within the worlds of sports, fitness, wellness, and business who aren't afraid to keep it real. Every week, we talk careers, relationships, and most importantly, the practice of self-care. Uncensored and unapologetic, you'll walk away from every episode with real-life takeaways and advice. No BS or fluff. I'm your host, Crystal Rose, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Rebel Babe Cave, you guys. Super pumped you're here this week. Some of you may listen to the other series, the little mini bonus series called Self Love Sunday. That is caught up this past Sunday is the episode that lined up with the email. And so now instead of letting your feed your subscription with a million self-love Sundays, you're only going to get one a week now. So thank you for being patient. It was kind of crazy having to record all of those, but I'm really glad I did it. And so now if you want to, you can follow along in my self-love journey on Sundays. And if not, that's totally cool too. You can just hang out on Wednesdays and listen to the main episodes. So there is a ton going on this month in my world. My state actually is in phase one of reopening. So I am moving Rebellia out of my house again and back into our HQ. So that's super exciting. We have some really cool things coming out in the next few months. Summer is coming. Hopefully everyone will get to start getting more outside, enjoying the beautiful weather, getting to wear cute clothes. That is, that's the goal, right? So I'm also working on launching a new nutrition program. I'm sure some of you guys have heard me talk about it. I've been doing one-on-one for a couple of years now, and it's just been on my heart to help more people and to help more people who aren't quite have the the whole learning curve down of nutrition. I want to educate a little bit more and I want to help more women just like free themselves from the yo-yo dieting and the bad body image and all of that. So that is something I'm hoping will be ready by the end of this month and the beginning of June. So today's episode is so exciting. I have Kelsey Campbell on here. She is another Olympic athlete. I am so fortunate to have these incredible women on this show. Kelsey is no exception. It was such a cool conversation. She is such an amazing chick, so down to earth, so great. So I am so pumped for you guys to get to meet her and listen to her and hopefully check her out. Kelsey Campbell was the first female wrestler to compete for Arizona State University in 2007 and was the 12th woman in the U.S. to wrestle for a Division I men's team. She began wrestling as a senior in high school and was the only woman on the team in a previously almost exclusively male sport. The Scottsdale resident has conditioned her body and mental toughness to outperform peers And that dedication has led to two U.S. women's college wrestling national titles, three U.S. Open championships, fifth place at the 2010 World Championships, two U.S. Olympic Team Trials Championships, and led her to represent the U.S. at the Olympic Games in 2012 in London. And she's set to go on to the Olympics again in 2020, which is actually 2021. Kelsey is passionate about music 
and plans to pursue a career in singing and writing following her wrestling career. She also volunteers for the Humane Society and Big Brother, Big Sister. Kelsey, welcome to the Rebel Babe Cave. Hi. We're <laughs> pumped. I'm here. Yes. Yay. I'm pumped to be here. (laughs) So we like to start things out with, it's kind of like our little initiation. We do something called goals, gratitude, and badassery. And Mm. basically you just tell us like what your goals are, what you're grateful for. And if there's something you've done recently that you're proud of, or you think is pretty badass. Oh my gosh. I totally heard this on another podcast of yours. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to be ready with like such a good answer. And I totally am not. So I'm just going to give whatever. My goal, obviously those have changed a lot in the last few weeks. I mean, my goal is to be an Olympic champion, but it's kind of crazy because, and we can go into that more later, but it's crazy because Olympic trials for me were supposed to be like last week. I think last week or the week before they've been delayed a year. I didn't have the best year competitively, like, and there's reasons for that, but I think just tying into what I'm grateful for, like I'm in a position where I was given time as an athlete and that's not something we ever get. Like we never get more time. The whistle blows and it's over and that's it. I guess I'm grateful to have more time to accomplish that goal that I feel like I've been doing this for a long time. What I'm doing, I'm a wrestler. Again, it it was a 2019, 2020 was like a funky year for me. And I just think that not that this is all happening for my benefit, of course not, but I'm really trying to look at it as I just get more time that I didn't think I'd have. And we found out like a couple weeks before. So that's exciting. That's the second one. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) So I think recently, again, I'm an athlete. And so everything I do that people see hangs on what I do that people don't see. Mm. And like how I'm spending my time when I don't have someone telling me what to do. And we all just have to really be accountable for ourselves in my industry. And I feel like I've done a really good job figuring out what I need to do and then applying certain things to my training and just really pushing myself. And I think being in a place where you're kind of floundering and you don't have a lot of guidance or like resources, that's a very familiar place for me. So in that regard, I feel like I've been here before. Obviously, I've never gone through anything like this before, but I know what it's like to have to just figure stuff out and no one can physically come and help you. You just have to do it and figure it out. And you have very few options. And I'm proud of myself for just embracing it and pushing myself. You know, there's just so many unknowns and intangibles in the sport of wrestling I think the athletes that succeed, and I think the reason I've succeeded at certain points in my career is because I've just forced myself to embrace some of those unknowns and just figure it out. So those are not like the most specific answers, but I love it. I mean, I swear they make sense, like to me. (laughs) So no, I think those are really good ones, and and I think you know your badassery. I mean, that's really hard for a lot of people. I think to have structure and discipline especially when it's not, they don't have their normal little perfect routine, you know, it's hard to yeah. get back to it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty badass for sure. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. Olympics, they're 2021 now. Yes. <laughs> we think. So cute sounding like 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have national team calls every week, but we also have the USA wrestling team call. It's like the national team and then some of the age group ranked wrestlers and then the staff and like some higher ups. And so we talk a lot about stuff 
all the time. And it's just interesting. Things are always changing, but then some things we have no answers for yet. And I know that next year they're still, they're going to refer to it as the 2020 Olympics. So 20 years from now, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh, it was actually the next year, but whatever. But (laughs) I don't know. Like, I think, yeah, I think most of the athletes, most of us are pretty relieved that it was delayed. A year is a long time. Some athletes that were kind of in my position where this was going to be our last year, a lot of them retired. A year is a long time to commit to maybe making a team. Yeah, next summer, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. I don't know if you know, like, so Tiana Bartoletta was on the podcast and she is an Olympic sprinter and long jump. And she is really pumped that <laughs> she has more time too. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like the, it's so strange. And you know, I think we all have areas in our life where we know where we're at for real. Mm-hmm. And we can say, all the right things. And I knew I was figuring it out. I knew I was onto something, but I, if I'm being honest, I really felt like I just don't know if I'm there yet. Trials is in a few weeks. I have put some things together and I have filled some gaps, but I just didn't think I, I needed more time. I know I did. And I was going to retire. So it wasn't like, (laughs) I'm going to do it another year. If I don't accomplish my goal, like that was it. It is awesome. And when you're given another chance, you are full of gratitude. So yeah, like I get it. It's real. And it's hard to explain. I definitely feel grateful to be doing what I do. And especially in the US, I think USA Wrestling President told us that we are the only Olympic committee in the world that's not government funded. Like we don't get money from the government, which a lot of people don't know that. We do not get money from the government. And in some ways it's kind of, you compete against a Russian athlete or a Canadian athlete or anybody from any other country and the government's paying them. So here we rely on donors, but in a time like this where the government gets all focused on kind of one thing, like they don't necessarily care about the athletes right now, right. understandably, <laughs> but we, we were never on their pay tab anyway. So all these crazy things you think about when you're in a position like this. So yeah, I mean, I totally, I totally get it. I think a lot of athletes get it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a gift, you know, and it's kind of like when you're given a gift like this, the gift of time, which like you mm-hmm. said, you right? it's a huge gift. And so then it's yeah. like, okay, how am I going to use this gift, you know, and yeah. squander it for sure. Yeah. So let's talk about wrestling. You are a woman wrestler, which I think is amazing because say <laughs> that forever it's been predominantly a man thing. So I love that about you. What got you into wrestling? I was dared to join the team in high school. It's like weird. Every time, I swear, every time I tell this story, I'm like, I sound like so ridiculous. I sound like I'm (laughs) making this up. But yeah, I I was literally dared to join the team. It was just supposed to be a few weeks. Like, let's just see how tough I am. That was it. And this was 2002, 2003 season. So it was just supposed to be like a thing. And then I had other stuff I wanted to do. I was extremely ambitious and extremely competitive. I mean, I still am. I was not talented. I did a lot of sports, but I was not. When it came to like competitive sports, like on the field or on the court or whatever, or track, I ran track in high school. I was good, but I wasn't, I wasn't going to get like a college scholarship. You know, there were things I was great at, but athletics was always something I was just average at. 
And wrestling was no exception. Like I was not good at all. I think my goal of the first match was to just not get pinned. Just don't get pinned. Just like survive the match. <laughs> um, pretty quickly though, my instincts kind of told me there might be something here. My team was very inclusive. I was very lucky because a lot of girls in my era and before, you know, you join a team and you're just not received very well. I mean, it still happens now, right, right. but you know, even back then, my coaches and my team, I had to work hard, obviously, but I was really treated well. And the only reason I ever started wrestling women was because my high school coach gave me a flyer for what was at the time a major like girls tournament. Hmm. And I was terrified. And I'm like, why am I doing I mean, literally, there's like so many points where you just there's like a fork in the road. and You're like, I don't want to go. Right. <laughs> and I was just so crazy as a teenager. Like I just did stuff like go to wrestling tournaments. And <laughs> I mean, I did so many crazy things just because I believed in myself, strictly faith alone. And so I went and I ended up taking second. But that was the first time I was like, maybe I could be good at this against my peers. I didn't have goals to like be the best wrestler, male and female. I just was like trying to last. Right. And then, you know, I took second at this big tournament and I'm like, well, maybe I could be competitive against girls. And every little victory, my dream kind of shifted. And I'm like, well, maybe I could do this. And then I moved to Arizona. I wrestled for Arizona State, first girl ever to do it. And which is great to talk about now. It was super hard at the time. I win nationals and I'm like, well, maybe I, I was like unseated, not a favorite, definitely an underdog, but you know, winning nationals and like, well, maybe I could be the best in the world. It just hadn't like you talk about it, but it doesn't dawn on you until you kind of get a taste of it. Mm. And that looks different for everybody. Like for some people, it was when they were seven years old watching the Olympics and they're like, I want to be an Olympic champion. I mean, a lot of Olympic champions say that, but I started wrestling when I was 16. So yeah. <laughs> my senior year of high school. So, you know, you're like, this is cool. <laughs> my path, it was very, and I think that's also why as an athlete and as a person and as a woman, I really feel strongly that it's great to have role models. It is. I think what's more important than that is diversity in role models. They don't all have to look like this or they don't. All, and especially sometimes there is nobody like you before you and you kind of have to create that path, right? I cannot think of one person whose path to the Olympics look anything like mine. I mean, it's, it's insane. Like even to me, it's crazy. So I think that every person, every athlete has to find their it factor. Like what makes you great? What makes my teammates great? That's their it factor. That's what works for them. But I think that's what I've trusted myself enough through the process. Because again, there was just like so many opportunities to take a different path. Even just sitting here thinking about it. And I'm like, there was just so many times I could have just been done with it, you know? So anyways, I could go for, I could go on this for days. Like, <laughs> so you, when you started out, you were wrestling against boys. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of didn't even really know girls wrestled. Internet was a thing, but there was no social media. I right. think MySpace hadn't even happened yet. Like, Probably not in 2002. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I didn't even have a cell phone until my, I never had my own cell phone until after I graduated high school. So, I mean, it's not like information is traveling as fast. There were, obviously, there were girls out there. There actually were some pretty close by. But I didn't know that because you saw to call people on a landline. It was just such a different yeah. era. Like, so <laughs> you didn't have any weird 
peer pressure from what you saw online. Right. You just had to have a really strong imagination. <laughs> yeah. <that>. So crazy. <laughs> so crazy. So let's talk so, about yeah. that self-trust because I think that that's really important. Just like even I know for me, you know, there have been risks I've taken in the business world and in my life that I just had to trust myself, like not necessarily that it'll all work out, but more so yeah. I know if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay because I trust yeah. that I will be okay and that I can handle whatever comes my way and I can land on my feet and figure it out. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about that self-trust that you have. Like, where did that come from? I think it's a mixture of things. I think some of it's organic and some of it I had to fight for. I think some of it just comes from just really kind of living on my own from a pretty young age. I lived on my own before I graduated high school. And again, it was just a different time. I just remember having to really figure things out. I'm not saying, I mean, people have had it harder. I'm not saying I had it worse than anyone else, but it was tough. And, yeah. and I think I, when you only have so many options in front of you, you just do it. I had to work immediately. I actually had to, I had like two jobs out of high school, which again, that's not like totally uncommon, but when you don't have a place to live and you're like literally moving in with your high school friends after yeah. high school. I mean, I, I was pretty good at stuff. And then suddenly I'm like homeless. So when I say it's organic, I mean, I was in enough situations where nobody was telling me how to live my life. No one was telling me how to do it. So there's that. And then I think starting out a little bit older and then kind of jumping into the sport, I was older and I had, it wasn't like fast success, but I think people... And it still happens, but I think people would assume that I had all of these years to like make mistakes and I didn't. I did one year in high school and then I was out, right? I was an adult making the mistakes that a lot of athletes make as children. And I think there were many times where I had to fight for like, no, like I need to learn this. You can't just teach me the way you teach so-and-so or whatever. One of my coaches before the London Olympics, he was a pretty big part of me making my first world team, making the Olympic team. And he was the first one that he said, like, you learn things in your own way. Like you just learn in a certain way. I don't even remember what we were talking about, but it was one of those things that stayed with me where I'm like, he's coaching me and teaching me from where I'm at. We can get boxed in when, when you look at success, whatever that means. It's like, well, this is, again, this is what success looked like for her. So just follow the blueprint. Right. But if I would have followed the blueprint, I mean, I wouldn't have kept wrestling. I would not have kept doing it. I mean, there's so many things I would not have kept doing. I mean, just on paper alone, I really shouldn't have done anything with my life on paper, statistically. And so um, <laughs> it's crazy, yeah. right? And, and I, just, I just think not enough people... I think we're like, well, I don't do it like them. I don't learn like them. And we talk ourselves out of doing crazy things that we might be great at. And we just have to be convinced of ourselves. That doesn't mean that I was right all the time. Right. I just think there were times, and you know, you know when your gut is telling you, no, 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 I, I really think I need to spend some time here. I think I need to address that. Or I think there's something to this. Or I think that person's weird and I don't want to be alone with them. Whatever it is. <laughs> like, I just think as humans, but I think especially as women, I really think that we need to trust ourselves a little bit more. I'm not saying I know my truth. I'm not talking about that because <laughs> I think that's a cop out. Like just because you, it's your truth doesn't mean it's the truth. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. I just think we have instincts. We have intuition for a reason. 
full circle, I guess it just came from a lot of great people in my life, but then a lot of not great people in my life. And you have to discern enough. Do I trust them or do I trust me? Or is it both? And it's just constant chess, right? I think the scariest thing we can do is ever get complacent because the world is changing so much and we're constantly changing and I'm older than I've ever been. And (laughs) so maybe what worked for me instinctively 10 years ago as an athlete is not going to work for me today. Right. So yeah, you're growing and evolving. And I mean, and that even goes, that goes in like relationships. I've been married. I've been with my husband for eight years and we're totally different people than we were, uh, right? right? And, but yeah. we still work because grow together and figure yeah. that out as opposed to, mm-hmm. but we've always done this like this. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a mixed bag, you know, it really is. The openness um, to evolve and grow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That you're not the same person and you need different things now. And so your coach, that sounds pretty amazing that they were able to see that in you and, and see that you needed to have things done differently for you or coach differently for you. Yeah. As opposed to trying to shove you down the same path. And it's not like he was like, so this is how I do it. Right. I mean, I literally couldn't tell you what day of the week it was. I couldn't tell you what we were talking about, but I always responded so well to his coaching and he was pretty harsh. Like he was pretty hard on all of his athletes, but for some reason it's like, I knew what he meant and it meant the world to me and I ran with it. And this was back, I think this was back like 2010, 2009, 2010. He's not coaching anymore, but there were things he taught me just, and I think as a coach or any type of authority or mentor, or leader, we can all take a lesson from him. If you can figure out how somebody receives the message, do that. It's not about you saying the message. It's about them getting the message, right? And so I think there's just a lot of things he taught me that has stayed with me there. Even now, like as I was given this new year and I'm like fighting to get where I know I can be, I really, it's funny because before I got on this call, I've been looking at a lot of old film. And, and I've looked at old film before, but I feel like I'm so much older and I'm so far removed. Like I watch it and it's like I'm watching someone else, but mm-hmm. I'm really trying to figure out, even watching interviews, like who was that person? Who yeah. was I that was talking? Like watching film the last couple of days, it's just been really eye-opening. I'm like, I remember there was, when I first made the Olympic team in 2012, they interviewed me after every match before the finals. And in the finals, I wrestled a girl I'd never beat before. And literally, I remember being really focused. And I remember that time period. I wasn't even sure I was going to win. I was just doing everything I could, everything I could, and doing it as perfectly as I could. And every interview, they're like, how do you feel? Like, are you excited? And I'm like, you know, I just, I got to wrestle. I like, there's like no smile on my face. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. You're focused. Like, I just, I, I'm like so focused. And then like, <laughs> literally after I won the semis, they kept asking me, so how do you feel? You're two matches away. And I'm like, you know, whatever. And they're like, and then they asked me, they're like, no, but honestly, what is it? How do you feel? Like two matches and you're going to London. And finally, like I cracked, like I broke a smile. <laughs> and then, you know, I watched my interview after winning. That's what I'm talking about though. Like I was so focused, but you have a crowd of 14,000 people watching you and you're in the finals against someone you've never beat before to make the Olympic team. As an underdog, I was not favored to win this tournament. 
it's easy to say, well, duh, elite athletes stay focused, but that is an environment where it is so easy to not be focused. There are so right. many ways to not be focused, but and I'm like looking pressure. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> much. And I'm just watching myself like you didn't crack. And so again, trusting yourself, but also if you do find yourself, like, I feel like I'm, I've gone astray. Or I feel like I'm floundering. Like I'm trying to when you lose something, you go back to the last place you remember having it. Exactly. And yeah. that's what I'm, I'm trying to do that for myself. That's such I a feel cool like- thing though. Like I just, <laughs> have to, oh, I love that you said that because it's so true. When you lose something, you retrace your steps and you find where you last left it. And yeah. I mean, that can be true in some cases, of course, for your mental state. Like, yeah. Okay. Where did I, yeah. what happened where I let go of that? Right, right. It's always little things and then it adds up to bigger things. And, but I think that that's true for all of us. Yeah. The stuff that I'm learning right now and figuring out about myself. I'm like, you know, it's not even like I started talking differently or I became different. It's like little things over time. And that's okay. It's okay. I look back a lot at my journey. Some of the stuff I don't quite have hindsight with like some of the stuff I'm like, I'm not quite removed from that to really be like, oh, it happened for a reason, whatever. But there are some things where I'm like, I have grace on myself. We're figuring this out. There's no textbook on life. I think we're just all trying to figure it out, you know? Not that we know of. Not that we (laughs) know of. I I mean, I feel like if there was one, it would be like the Beyonce handbook or something. Like (laughs) just do what Beyonce does. So what was it like to go to the Olympics? How did it feel when you got there? So I remember it was really like going to Disneyland for the first time. (laughs) It was all so new and it all happened so fast. It was like this high and exciting and then exhausting at times. We got there. And then I think the day we got in, we had to go through like processing and get all of our gear, which took hours. And every sport does that differently. Some sports, they do it. I know track and field, they did it in like Texas or something. We did it in London. And then that took like hours and it was great. And then we did like a photo shoot with Ralph Lauren. So that was cool. And just a lot of exciting stuff. There's the USA house and then there's PNG house and then... There's just all these different places you can go and mingle with other athletes or mingle with your family and friends that came. And so we were kind of just getting all the information and getting situated in the village and it's kind of a blur. But then I think it was like the next day or the day after we had opening ceremonies. We trained a couple of days in London and then we had opening ceremonies, which was crazy because my greatest memory and the memory that like is seared into my brain was meeting Kobe Bryant obviously. (laughs) But I remember me and my teammate, Clarissa, who is like now a national team coach, but she's my teammate. She was my teammate back then. She was like, we got to hang out with the basketball players because that's how you get on TV. And that's how you get the cameras on you because everyone loves basketball. So I like followed Kobe Bryant around. Like there's tons of pictures of me just like looking like so fired up that he's like right there. I remember when your country walks into opening ceremonies, they chant your country. But when the basketball team came in, they chanted Kobe. Mm. Like the entire world was chanting his name. I mean, it was like, I get chills just thinking about it. It was crazy. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Like, I'm like, this man is famous. Like, (laughs) so crazy. So crazy. And then the next day we left for France and did our acclimation training because it's just really busy in the village and it's kind of tough to stay focused when you're like around. Honestly, some athletes are just happy to be there and it's like a party from day one. Right. But 
it's not like that for like the US team, obviously. But then we got to do some other stuff. We got to go to this breakfast where this is kind of cool. We might go over time a little bit, but I have to tell you the story because <laughs> it's so awesome. So we did this breakfast and it was, so Michelle Obama came to speak for us. And then there was a lot of past like Olympians and Olympic champions and whatnot. And it was the women's wrestling team fencing and then the women's basketball team. And I remember we listened to Michelle Obama speak. Barack Obama was still present at the time because this was 2012. They finished speaking. We all take pictures and I get a picture with the women's basketball team and her name is Diana. I can never pronounce her last name. Oh my gosh. It's, I'm like killing the story right now. But anyways, <laughs> I'm looking it up right now because this is like really important. Oh, okay. Tarasi, Diana Tarasi. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But anyways, she was there and I remember just being in awe because this was 2012. And in 2009, I was wrestling at Arizona State and I was working full time and I was taking all my classes online because I worked full time. And I was just like a broke, struggling college student, nobody. Yeah. I had not even made the national team. And I worked at Paradise Bakery at Fashion Square Mall and literally serving sandwiches to people. It was like so cool. So Fashion Square Mall, it's in Scottsdale. And it's one of those malls where you like see famous people a lot. But I work at a cookie shop. Like I'm not really impressing anybody. <laughs> so no one knows that I have a dream to be an Olympian. I'm just serving cookies. So one day I'm working and she comes up. Diana Tarasi comes up to my counter and orders she's like with her agent i don't know and i was like starstruck just trying to act normal this is 2009 three years later i'm in a room with her meeting michelle obama before the olympic games i mean it was like what? it was just it was just one of those moments i didn't say anything to her about it but it was one of those moments where you're like anything can happen you don't know what can happen in three years i went from like not being on the national team to like i'm in london it was crazy. There were a lot of moments like that where j I just stopped and I was like, wow. So the Olympics were pretty crazy. I was heartbroken. Obviously, you think you just want to go to the Olympics and it is awesome and I'm grateful I did. I know I sound stupid saying that, but when you leave without a medal or you fall short, it's heartbreaking. Like it's so heartbreaking. And then after I lost my final match, they interview you and they prepare you. They're like, you're going to go through media. You have to. And then I just wanted to curl up in my bed and die. But I had friends and family who had traveled from all over the world, literally, yeah. to come see me. So you have, you have to really pull it together for them. And then I went through a like super low period afterwards, which a lot of Olympic athletes yeah. do. And Even one of the ones that have yeah. taken home medals, like they've got mm -hmm. that, you know, like yeah. Martin Rousey's talked about that. And yeah. 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 It's real. It was a really tough time. And What's also interesting about that is like I've struggled with depression my whole life, but it just wasn't something that was ever discussed. There was no conversations about it happening growing up. Mm. And I remember after the Olympics being so depressed. It was so bad. I had to leave the Olympic train. I lived in Colorado at the Olympic training center. I had to leave. Like I couldn't even be there. And my national team coach didn't get it. And I was like too ashamed to explain it to anybody. Mm. And I remember this you know, I ended up leaving the training center in 2013. I had some cool opportunities elsewhere and I just needed to like heal. And I remember I went to a Women's Sports Foundation event in 2016, a few years later. And it was the first time we had, it was like me and all these really high level athletes, tennis players, and like mainstream athletes that everyone knows about. 
And we're sitting there, Billie Jean King's there, Mm -hmm. you know, like these really big names. And we're talking about mental health and athletics. And Michael Phelps had just started talking about it publicly. And it was the first time ever that I'd had a conversation about it with other athletes. After London, I try, I would try to bring it up to people and it was like shut down. Why are you sad you went to the Olympics? But it was like real. It was real. There was a lot, of, a lot of takeaways from the Olympics that I never imagined I would have, even on that spectrum, you know, outside of athletics and outside of Team USA, mental health, you know, and being open and candid about that stuff when you're in a position of influence. It's scary. It was a really tough thing to go through, but I'm so glad that finally people started talking about it. Because if you would have, we would have been doing this talk in 2016, I don't think I would have, those are just things I wouldn't have even brought up. Like I would have been like, I actually don't want to talk about this. Because <laughs> like, I was embarrassed and ashamed. Depression, especially, it, it can be really horrible at, at times. It's like a war going on in your brain, like all the time. And so... Yeah. And if you don't understand it, you usually say the wrong things to people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so young in public conversation that people constantly don't understand it. And even for me, I've had to grow in just understanding that I have to explain it to people. This stuff sets me off. This is causing me anxiety and it's causing me to beat myself up. And here we are. I'm having it like I'm going through a low and you don't walk around like announcing it to people. But you know, I think even in my inner circle, there's people I've been able to open up to and be like, I'm just like struggling right now. Just FYI. But yeah, you're right. It's just I think there is definitely a lack of understanding. And it's, I think it's just up to all of us who do understand it to just be more candid about it, you know? To share. Um, I think that it takes, yeah. one, it helps people to feel like they're less alone. Like you were sitting there like, oh my gosh, people are talking about this. Like finally, yeah. like how you've been feeling. Yeah. I think when people, especially, you know, people who have influence or, you know, they have a platform and they have a voice, they start speaking on it and you get, these people who felt like they were so alone, or maybe they looked at you and they're like, she's an Olympic athlete. She's perfect. Like she'll never, she could never understand what I'm going through. And it's just not true. Yeah. That, that's one of the reasons why I have this podcast because, yeah, you know, I love then, it. I love yeah, it. <laughs> we've got these amazing women and in reality, a lot of the same thoughts and feelings, they just parallel. So yeah, so true. I'm so glad you shared that with us. Thank you. You're welcome. So we like to end on a quote. It can be something that you're like, it's just like your life motto or it can be something you're feeling just kind of like lately. Give us a quote. Oh my gosh. That is so hard. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm not prepared for this. Let me look at Let me see if I have a cheat sheet here. Oh my gosh. I like to put people on the spot. (laughs) So I have actually a tattoo. I don't know if you can see it. Hmm. So I ended up getting surgery after the London Olympics. I actually got a really bad injury before the Olympics. I swear this ends well. I keep giving you like bad news, but I swear (laughs) there's silver lining. So, and it was very discouraging and depressing to heal from that too. I got the surgery, which is a whole, we should do like a part two episode because that's like a whole crazy different story (laughs) right there. So crazy. When I finally kind of overcame all that stuff from the Olympics and then 2016 and just finally like figuring out who I was and all this, I wrote a song called Now. And it's just talking about 
when you're going through a difficult time and you find a way to over, you finally get through it. Like that feeling where I think I finally can laugh again. Right. Mm. And in the song, I say anything is possible. I believe in now. And so I got it tattooed to my chest, right where my scar is, which I used to be very insecure about. And it wasn't like a reminder I liked, but now I'm like, you know what? I believe in now and like, I just embrace the scars, right? It's not like a quote I heard recently. It's from a song I wrote, but it's, but it's kind quote. of- like, It's your quote. It's, <laughs> it's kind of more, I don't know if it's a mantra, but it's more like a state of being. Like I have to believe in this moment, each moment I believe in now. I love that. See? You had that the whole time. Yeah. Right Tattooed right on you. <laughs> Seriously, right here, right on my, wearing my emotions right on my chest, literally. <laughs> <laughs> so where can people find you? If they want to follow you or? I'm on Instagram. I have a few handles because some people, like I do music and some people don't care about that. They only care about the wrestling. So <laughs> I have one that's like specifically for wrestling and like fitness and health. And then I have one specifically for music. And then the one that you and I connected on, World Changer underscore USA. And then I am Kelsey Campbell. That's the music one. And then Kelsey Campbell works. And that's like the fitness one. <laughs> so there's that. I, I know it's like, okay, it's you. So um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's all me. Just the others are a little bit more content. I just kind of yeah. put it out there. And then I have, a, I have my website. I am Kelsey Campbell, Facebook, Kelsey Campbell, Twitter, World Changer 55, because that was my weight class in 2012. <laughs> I don't have TikTok and I don't have Snapchat and I probably never will. This <laughs> uh, is not my cup of tea, but I, I don't really get it. I don't really get the point. If you pretty much type my name in, something will come up. So gotcha. <laughs> awesome. pick your poison. <laughs> you were great. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time to be with us today. And yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rebel Babe Cave. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe and we'd love it if you left a review. See you next week.